Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Especially this one, it's a blessing and an honor because growing up, I have never had books like this for the heart community. And so now being able to be part of something that I can give back to all the others because we didn't have it, it's wonderful. It's hard to believe that this is the fourth Saturday success story for Heart Month, February 2023. I am Anna Jaworski and the mother of an adult with a critical congenital heart defect. My child is 28 years old, my inspiration and the reason I am the host of your program. Today's program is entitled The Heart of a Heart Warrior Book Project. I am so excited to have a studio full of amazing women right now. This is so exciting. In the first segment, I'll be talking with my co-editor, Megan Tones, and then I will have the awesome experience of talking with other contributors to the book. This will be the first time for Megan and I to talk to some of these ladies instead of just writing via email or on Facebook. So I'm super, super excited about this. Now, Megan Toes has been on several Heart to Heart with Anna episodes over the years. She was born with a ventricular septal defect and had a pulmonary banding operation at four months of age. She had two more surgeries as a child at age five and 10 and one surgery at age 25. Megan works as a researcher and likes to do creative things in her spare time, including sewing, writing, and painting. In 2018, I approached Megan about editing a third book in my The Heart of a series, and the book would contain essays from adults in the congenital heart defect community. The book is finally complete. All the contributors in the studio with me today are heart warriors, and I'm so excited to have a chance to talk with them. So, Megan, you and I are going to start things off today. Welcome back to Heart to Heart with Anna, Megan. Thanks, Anna. It's great to be back again. I always love talking to you, Megan. So how does it feel to know that we're finally ready to start taking pre-orders for the book? Well, it's really amazing to have reached this point. It's amazing to have gotten to this point after working on the book for four years. I was just looking over the chapters last night, and I can't believe that we've got about 40 people who've contributed to this book. So we definitely couldn't have done it without all of them. Exactly. Yes. It's amazing to me that we had so many people, but believe it or not, Megan, I had 60 women for the heart of a mother and 50 men for the heart of a father. So I don't know, I'm getting smaller (laughs) of contributors, but it still feels like such a fabulous book. And some of our contributors, like you, Megan, wrote multiple essays. 
Yes. Yeah, that's true. We've had a few people who've written several essays for the book, but I think that it's just so important to have had so many different people involved. Our contributors, their ages range from in their 20s to in their 60s. We've got so many different types of congenital heart conditions represented in the book and just so much diversity there in people's experiences. I think there's not just one typical person with a CHD. And yeah. I think that our book shows that really well. I think I would have loved to have a book like this to read when I was younger because I never really met anyone much else with a congenital heart defect unless I was in hospital there was mm -hmm. no Facebook or anything I know then, so. I think we're all showing our age in this book <laughs> but I love it I love it and you're so right Megan there are so many different stories people of so many different ages and yet I felt a very tender common theme throughout the book didn't you Megan yeah yeah I think that there were several themes obviously for People who know me, I have a research background and I was going through all the essays and I actually found it quite enjoyable to sit there and sort them out into themes, as it were, and just thinking about how do we organize these essays into different topics. And yeah, there are a lot of different things covered in that book. Now we're seeing more and more books coming out about CHD, but I think that this one really does bring something special having so many different contributors. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. So we've been working on this for a long time, Megan, and it's about to go out into the world. But I'm wondering, did the book turn out the way you thought it would turn out? So the book actually turned out probably better than I thought it would because we got so many contributions in the end over the four years that we were working on it. We got a few essays early on and then it just kind of snowballed, didn't it? We got so many yes. essays from people, so many people writing into us saying that they would love to write for the book. And I think that it turned out better than expected just because we had so much engagement from people and we got so many different essays. I think one of the reasons why it turned out better than what I expected it to is because of the dedication of so many of the heart warriors. We worked one-on-one -on -one with so many of them to help them tell their story the best way it could be told. And everybody had such a special story to share. And they really mm. worked to craft their essays. Megan, you write for work and you do creative writing as well. But a lot of the people who contributed to the book do not write and were not necessarily comfortable with writing. And for some of them, English was not even their first language. And yet look at the beautiful essays we had a chance to compile. Absolutely. Some of the topics in the book are not easy to write about either. Mm -hmm. I recall, I think it was the intro to chapter nine. I even said in the intro, you know, I'm stuck on a train and so I've got nothing else I could do but write. But I'm hoping that it was a therapeutic 
or a cathartic process for some of our authors as well. I know with myself, people have said to me over and over, you should write a book, you should write a book. And I haven't yet, but I definitely want to. Sometimes some topics you kind of avoid a little bit because they're a bit difficult. But I think people's experiences, they're just so vivid. And uh, the way that they tell their stories is ultimately very engaging. So I'm really happy to have been a part of that process for some of our authors, but ultimately it was them and their hard work that I think has really paid off in creating this wonderful book that's going to be coming out very soon. That's a credit to each and every one of our contributors. Beautifully said. So what did you think was the most challenging part of editing this book, Megan? Oh, that's a tough question. The most challenging part of editing the book for me was that it was just a very steep learning curve. I think that I thought that it would be easier than it was. I didn't really realize how much there was to do. And the editing, it's hard work and probably not quite as enjoyable as other aspects of putting this book together. For me, the hardest part was the darn technology. I was using a Macintosh computer and I'm here in the United States and you're in Australia and you were using a different kind of computer. And when we would share documents, all the formatting would change. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was probably those sorts of technical aspects that were challenging and yes. just the attention to detail it required. When you look at a document for an over again, sometimes you see what you expect to see and not what's actually there. Yep. Probably, yeah, just all that really detailed stuff going through checking word for word not reading for enjoyment you're reading to check that everything is correct and obviously at, at times differences between American and Australian English <laughs> and what to yep. use where and just having so many different pieces that was quite challenging to go through all of them and then you'd realize you'd missed one somewhere and have to go back and, and this is why we yeah. had multiple editors ladies <laughs> yes yeah, so it was a big yeah. project it was a big very project big. i think very one big, of the things, very rewarding yeah i think one of the other things that was challenging for me was i wanted to have photos and some of our beta readers even wrote in to me and told me how they couldn't wait to see the book when it did have the photos because we gave them just a text version. They didn't get to see the photos, but then there were an awful lot of photos. There were 75 photos that went into the book. And even though Megan and I tried so hard to label each photo very specifically and tell our formatter, exactly what photo went with what essay and where to put it. I think there was only one major mistake made with the photos, but it was just an enormous organizational task. And Megan, I tip my hat to you, my dear. You did an excellent job of keeping us better organized than I think I ever could have on my own. I, I tried, but yeah, the organization, that was another thing that was a challenge. We just had so many photos, so many files, so many versions of files, but we did get there in the end. And now 
forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective. I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home tonight forever. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The opinions expressed in the podcast are not those of Hearts Unite the Globe, but of the hosts and guests, and are intended to spark discussion about issues pertaining to congenital heart disease or bereavement. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Now we're going to talk to some of the contributors to the book. Just like in our book, Megan and I are going to take turns in the next two segments of the podcast. So take it away, Megan. Thanks, Anna. Leslie Castro, thanks for joining us today. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna. Thank you. It's my pleasure to return to Heart to Heart with Anna. Awesome. You have a really unique poem, Leslie. Why did you write a letter to your heart for the book? The reason why I wrote a poem to my heart was that everything that happened, I was asked to receive a hep C donor heart, which was one of the first hep C organs in the Presbyterian Hospital in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I waited two months in the hospital waiting for a heart. I was the only single ventricle. And towards the last few hours, I thought to myself, maybe this will give me closure and a fresh start to a new beginning. I was told in the afternoon that I would have a transplant. So during that evening to Bide time, stressing out and waiting. And because my heart transplant was supposed to start at seven o'clock in the evening, it didn't arrive and I didn't go through the process until the next day around one or two o'clock. So basically, I wrote a poem. I couldn't think, I didn't sleep that particular evening. My family all came in from Texas, matter of fact, Temple, Texas. And so instead of walking back and forth, I would be writing the parts of the poem at a time, showing it to my relatives. How does this look? And even though it didn't look good, but I wanted it to be a small snippet of what it was like right before the transplant and seeing all the cognitive portion of it all. My writing wasn't very good. I had to barely think as far as processing and putting things together. I probably said to friends, instead of putting my cell phone on the table, I would say, put my cell phone on the floor. And just small little things that really didn't add up. But I wanted to make sure that I had an ending and an RIP, so to speak, of my heart out with the old and with the new. And a fresh start in life. It was a long process and I endured a great deal. And I talked about it in the prior podcasts. I think you did an amazing job considering the circumstances, Leslie. I myself haven't had a transplant, but I recall from the last open heart surgery I had as an adult, the 
lead up just being extremely stressful up to the surgery. I just, in a way, couldn't wait to be put under because I just didn't want to endure the waiting and the stress anymore. So I can't imagine how that must be for patients who've been through a transplant to have that uncertainty there with the waiting period and not knowing when it's going to happen. The waiting period was the hardest. Not being able to go down the hall, then having things rearranged where I could do things. I need to go more down the hall, walk down the hall instead of the hall. I need to go down the next hall and let me go because I was only referring to one particular hallway back and forth and back and forth for about a month. And in my room, that was it. This was before COVID hit. And then eventually they finally slowed down and said, okay. And mainly because I was the oldest single ventricle to receive a heart transplant at Presbyterian Hospital. They wanted to make sure that everything went really well, even with a hep C donor. I'm going to jump in here and say thank you again for coming on the show, Leslie, and for telling us about your experience. Because Before you reached out to me to tell me about hep C donors, I had never heard of that before. So you did a great job on the show, and thank you for coming on today. And I love your poem, and I'm sure everybody who reads it is going to love it too. Don't you think, Megan? Absolutely. One thing I love about our contributors and Leslie's poem is an excellent example of this. It's just the raw honesty that comes out in the pieces. Because these topics are very heavy and very hard to deal with and extremely stressful to go through. And I think that it will be a really good thing for readers to read these experiences and get a glimpse of just how it really is to go through some of the really challenging things that we go through. Yeah, and we have several different contributors who wrote about the transplant experience and I think they did give us a bird's eye view of what it really is like. Okay, we get to move on to our second guest contributor, and that is Emily Falcon. And today is the first time for you to join us on Heart to Heart with Anna. So welcome, Emily. Thank you, Anna. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to have you on the program. And I understand that you're working on a memoir, and I actually have kind of the bird's eye view on that because you and I are working on it together. Can you tell me how working on the heart of a heart warrior affected your working on your book from the sidelines to the finish line? Yes, thank you. I think that all the contributors for this book and the listeners out there have felt at some time that something is too hard to try and they just didn't want to even try to do it because why bother? But in both my essay and in my soon-to-be-released memoir, that I wanted to write about how I feel I can motivate people to try things they think they can't do, big or small. Because if you, for example, just tell yourself a hike is a walk, that could get you to go. Or as you were saying, after surgery, instead of walking down the hall at the hospital, you could try running. And then they'll let you go home earlier like I did. Wait a minute. They let you run in the hallway? I thought you weren't supposed to run in the hallways. The PA said... If you can run to the nurse's desk, you can go home. And he was kidding, but I did it. (laughs) I love that. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I hope you put that in your book. Yes, I did. Uh, So that's part of one of the sidelines I ran from to the finish line. Because the finish line, nurse's desk, and I did it. (laughs) 
Oh my Um, gosh, I love that. Oh my goodness. This has been a project for you, this new book, The Heart of a Heart Warrior, that came along after you had already started your memoir. So tell us a little bit more about your memoir and why you decided to write that. So it's still the same theme of trying when you think quitting is the easier option because you never know what you and your heart can do is what I've learned from my second heart surgery as an adult. And my essay talks about hard times medically recovering and appreciating everything that's come from those challenging times. And my memoir goes into much more detail like the nurse's desk. And I want to show others all the things that you can do when you feel stronger and you don't give up. And I want to inspire others to just try because I think a lot of times people who don't have a heart condition look to us and think if you can do it, so can they, because they don't have something holding them back. That's their heart. And to them, that's so insurmountable, but it's really not sometimes. And even the littlest step can be a huge accomplishment. Even to everyone else around you might think it's nothing. Oh, I agree a hundred percent. And that is something that I loved about the book. And I think, Megan, hopefully you would agree with me when you and I were putting the book together, we did talk about themes and I think resiliency and tenacity, those themes came through in so many of the essays. In fact, there were times that it was challenging for Megan and I to decide where to put some of these essays because the themes crossed over. There wasn't usually just one theme per essay, but we could actually pull out several threads and... I was really curious to see how the beta readers were going to respond to the way we put the book together, but friends, they loved it. So kudos to all of you and good job, Emily. I'm so glad that you had a chance to join us today. Thank you. Laurie, I met you several times in script writing sessions, but you've also been a guest a number of times on the show as well. And it's so great to have you back on Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks for having me again. You're welcome. You've been through so much since we first started working on this book project. Your essay was one of the first ones we received back in 2018. And I'm wondering, what does your essay mean to you now that you're in a totally different place in your life? For me, I think my essay kind of shows how I used exercise to cope, even when I was in the most extremes of heart failure, which seems counterintuitive, but it really did. Even just a small walk, or if I could lift some weights on my couch. And at the time I was in college and I was completing a degree in exercise science. So it was just a very integral part of my life that completely contrasted to the other majority of my life, which of course was dealing with my failing single ventricle heart. I think it's really neat to look back and read it. I've told Anna several times that as I've gone back years later to edit it and tweak things, I almost just wanted to change things, but she encouraged me to not. She's like, no, leave it the way it was. It's so good the way it was. And so it's really nice to look back on that. And it's so crazy to think how far I've come from then. Even though I did not write about transplant, I am a transplant recipient, as I've talked about multiple times on Anna's show. And so I think it's really interesting to see how my brain was thinking before I even knew that transplant would be an option for me. Right, right. 
Do you mean when you had that shift and what you were thinking about doing for a career or? Oh, yeah. So at the time when I wrote my essay, I had gone to college for physical therapy because, again, I loved exercise and I was a little intimidated by medical school because it's four years and you have to choose a specialty and all that. So I was like, oh, physical therapy is cool. I can help heart warriors or other people exercise and kind of understand how exercise can help them heal and help them just get through their lives a little bit better, even if it seems counterintuitive. When I was in the hospital for my transplant, I was listed for 400 days, but I spent the last two months of the wait inpatient and a month and a half after transplant inpatient. And I had some really great physician assistants who taught me about their career. So I ended up applying for both physician assistant and physical therapy school this past round. While I gained more information about both and shadowed both, I ended up getting into my top choices of both programs, but I'm choosing to go to physician assistant school at Baylor College of Medicine starting this summer. So I'm really excited to use my knowledge as a patient to help my future patients, whether that be with exercise, whether that be in the heart world or whatever. But since transplant, my life has completely changed and turned around and it's really exciting right now. Yeah, that's fantastic to hear because when I hear stories about what you or Leslie went through with waiting so long in the hospital and having that uncertainty, I'm just in awe of how you've both managed to do that. And I'm just glad for you both that things have turned out as well as they have. Yeah, thank you so much. I think waiting is just part of life. Everybody has to wait on things. The only certain thing in life is uncertainty. And yeah. so learning how to cope with that is really important in life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I recall being in hospital many times and thinking this just feels like a commercial break that doesn't end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was the crazy person that did a master's while I was in the hospital, so... Yeah, well, that's how I filled my time. <laughs> wow. When I was in hospital, I was working on my PhD and I ended up just taking a bit of a break from it while I was in there because mm -hmm. I just couldn't really concentrate with the recovery. I remember my mother-in-law, who's a lovely lady, very well-meaning. She knew that I loved reading and she bought me these books, but I just remember they were so heavy to pick them up <laughs> and hold them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> recent heart surgery so some of them had to wait till I got home mm -hmm. that's awesome can yeah. I just say something as a heart mom yeah <laughs> Lori I'm so proud of you oh thank you <laughs> I've had the good fortune of meeting with Lori in person she's one of the few members of our team here that I've had a chance to meet in person and Frank and I drove down to College Station so we could spend part of a day with her. We went to the George Bush Museum together and gosh, Lori, look at where you are now. I'm I so, know. so excited and so proud of you. So Thank you. Thank you. Sorry, sorry, Megan. I just had to get that in there because I feel like she's one of my heart kids. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh my goodness. And now I'm going to go on to another heart kid of mine who's pretty close in age to me, but that's okay, Laura. You're still my heart kid. I feel like the heart mom to everybody here. I'm so excited to have you in the room with us, Laura. Laura, you were with me over 20 years ago with the heart of a mother. 
Can you tell me about how writing for this new book, The Heart of a Heart Warrior, was different from writing for The Heart of a Mother? Yeah. Writing The Heart of a Mother was, I wrote more about my experience of being a heart patient, heart warrior with children and how it was giving birth to my first child because at that time I only had one child. Now I have two, and they're both grown. One's 30, and the other is 22. And this book, I went back and wrote a story from my childhood. Which I absolutely loved. Yeah, it's something that just stayed with me. It's a true experience that I experienced when I was a child, 16 right after my second surgery, but the first one I remember, that experience just never went away. And I felt I had to write about it. Yeah, I loved it. And I know that it's going to be an essay that so many people can relate to. And Laura, I am so proud of the writer that you have become over the last 20 years because I've really seen you blossom. I try. But a lot of it was due to you, your help, too. It was fun. I'll tell you what. It's a challenge to be an editor because you know that whenever somebody gives you something, it's like it's their baby. And you would never tell somebody, oh, you have an ugly baby, right? And you don't want to point out the flaws in somebody's baby. So it's hard to work with somebody on their baby and yet encourage them to make changes to that. And you were so good at accepting constructive criticism and taking the feedback that I gave you. And instead of taking it in a negative way, you always accepted it in the manner I intended for it to be received, which was as let's make this the best story we can. Right. You just transformed your story into something that has stuck with me in the years that we've done this. You were one of the first ones to submit and I had so much fun helping you to transform your story. And I feel like I was right there at the water park with you. Yeah, I still feel like I'm there whenever I read it or think about it. Yeah, you did such a great job. I can't wait for everybody, especially for people who read your essay in The Heart of a Mother. You took a giant step back into your past with this essay. And I think it'll be fun for them to get a chance to know that Laura, the Laura before kids. Yeah. Yeah. The little girl, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> You're still a little girl, Laura. <laughs> yeah. And I am. Always will be. I guess you will. Okay. I'm going to pass the baton reluctantly to Megan and let her talk to Lisa. Because you know, girls, I want to talk to all of you. And I'm really loving hearing all of your stories. Lisa, hi. We're so happy to have you back on the program. Hi, Megan. Glad to be back. I love always being able to do anything that has to do with Heart to Heart with Anne, and I'm glad that this time you're involved too. Yay! Thanks, Lisa. You've been really busy since we started this book, and you even wrote several books. Yes, I have. So what does it mean to you to be part of an anthology like this one? You've got two of your poems featured. Especially this one, it's a blessing and an honor 
because growing up, I have never had books like this for the heart community. And so now being able to be part of something that I can give back to all the others because we didn't have it, it's wonderful. And I'm glad that you and Anna are part of this and that you guys invited me into this project. So thank you. You're welcome, Lisa, and I think that's perfectly said. I didn't have books like this growing up either, and I think that it's really valuable to be able to give something back to the younger generation of people with CHDs, although having said that, I think anyone of any age who's part of the CHD community could read this book and get something out of it. And we're part of a community that our voice is their inspiration. Absolutely. So thank you. And I love this book. I can't wait to read it. I can't wait to read other people's story. And then I also can't wait to read and share it with other people. That's right. That's one thing I'm really looking forward to, actually getting a copy of the book and being able to hold it at long last. I'm sure it'll be a very special moment for everybody involved and trust me the first week i'll take it everywhere i go with me <laughs> i think we all will <laughs> yeah i think so i think we'll all be doing that <laughs> yeah um, so this is wonderful to be part of something big and special yeah i felt like that was one of the themes that went through the book was that we're a community and mm. I loved that, that even though so many of us didn't really know each other, we came to know each other through the book. And I think it solidified our relationships with one another. It brings us closer, Anna. Yeah, absolutely. Here's another person that I have felt closer to, another former guest of mine, Margaret Raymond. How are you doing, sweetie? Welcome back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm so excited. Good. I'm glad you're doing well. I'm so excited to talk to you. Golly, Margaret, how long has it been since we last talked? I think it was 2020, right? When I was on your podcast. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I think so. so. It's, it's been a few years. Yeah. So you wrote an amazing essay that was talking about facing your own mortality and just like Laura, you went back to your childhood to share your experience with us. What's the one thing you really hope people take away from reading that essay? Yeah, like a lot of previous voices that we've heard from on this podcast and probably a lot more outside of us in the book. I really focused on anxiety and coping mm -hmm. with that. And that anxiety stemmed from when I was younger and I didn't have the words for death and my fear of death <laughs> and my fear of what's after this life. And so I didn't really have all the language for that when I was younger, but my essay talks about a professional learning development day at work. And that day shaped the way I look at anxiety. And the presenter basically explained that anxiety stems from uncertainty and unpredictable things and that you can't guarantee either of those things. And someone in this podcast shared the very similar feelings about that and kind of learning to accept that and realizing that when life decides to throw a ton of stuff at you, just learning to continuously dig yourself out of it. Yeah, absolutely. 
You had such good imagery in your essay. I just really loved it. I can't wait for all the girls here to read it because I haven't all had a chance to read it like <laughs> Megan and I have, but playing with the dolls in the sandbox. And I really enjoyed your piece. Thank you. Thank you. It was really therapeutic to write it and a culminating moment for me in my life where I had this aha moment. And for me, it clicked and it's like, oh, that's what I was so anxious about my entire childhood. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that amazing how we can't as children completely understand what is happening to us? And it takes us reflecting on it to help us to have the vocabulary to understand exactly what it was that we were experiencing. Up until that time, you're just living it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think having the language for it now and the understanding around it, I get to handle it better when mm -hmm. it crops up because I notice it and I have the tools to now learn how to cope with it better. Right. Yes. You did such a great job. Thank you so much for coming on the show today and for being part of the book. Of course. Thank you so much for inviting me to be part of this amazing anthology. It was my pleasure. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect or CHD community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Heart to Heart with Anna is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.congenitalheartdefects.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. Megan, I'll hand it over to you. Michelle, your essay is in the very last chapter of the book, Beyond My CHD, and you talk about how you have exceeded expectations in so many ways. In fact, I remember reading your essay and just being so angry at the way some of those doctors had treated you, having had things like that myself. What do you feel is the most important lesson in the medical field that people could learn from your essay? Well, Megan and Anna both, thank you for letting me join today. This is my first experience in the Heart to Heart group, and I'm just thrilled to be included. Megan, as you mentioned, my journey has been hard. I know doctors don't always think about the impact of what they say. And many of us, including myself, have heard things along the lines of you won't live that long or try to conserve your energy. And what they're trying to do, in my opinion, and many of you who have spoken today and in prior podcasts, 
trying to stifle the life that we have, what little there may be of it. It's important to let us thrive in whatever way that may be. Doctors, in my experience, have a tendency, particularly with congenital heart patients, to work on the diagnosis and the box that you fit in. And the reality is, even within that box, there are so many variations. There are so many differences. I, for one, have had no cardiovascular surgery. I'm on natural, as it were. So my experience is very different than someone who's had a surgery, even within the small box of truncus arteriosus that I sit in. And I think doctors would be well-suited to think about not only the box, but also the personalities, the histories and the goals that we have as individuals, just like anyone else. And to not think of us just as our diagnosis or trudging through the challenges that we will undoubtedly face, but to think of us as people, as children, as mothers, as all the different things we can be. We can be executives, we can be authors, we can be poets, we can be fantastic spellers, which I am not, but I'm sure some of you are. But there are many things that we can be, and I don't want the doctors to think in that small microscopic view of the diagnosis. The other thing they think they need to keep in mind is to plug us in. For those of us over the age of 50, if your diagnosis as a child was made, your future was limited, your contacts were few, and there was no social there was no conferences, no support mechanisms, let alone books like the one you guys have put together with all of us. So these tools are important. And for the doctors to realize that they cannot be the answer for all of our medical questions, although they are the experts, a lot of what we deal with is how to live life. And what does that mean? And I've learned a lot from those who have been with me and before me in terms of what is possible, what can be done. Education is an amazing leveler. And many of us here have advanced degrees. And that's a wonderful thing because our bodies may not do what we want, but our brains have the ability to go far and above those whose bodies can no longer achieve what they can do. And I think finally, in my opinion, the best thing a doctor can do is to help set life goals. Some of those life goals may not be easy. Some of those life goals may not be possible on paper, but without goals, the life that we live can be so shallow and we deserve better than that. And I hope doctors understand that treating the whole person includes not only treating our hearts, but our minds and our souls. So that was my thought on what I would hope a doctor might pull from the chapter that I wrote. Wow, Michelle, I think you expressed that so well. I mean, I was... Thank you. You can't see me, but I'm sitting here nodding along to everything that you're saying. And I think what you say in respect to goals is really important. I just wanted to have an observation on that is I suppose you only see what's around you and 
maybe as a young child, you think, oh, that's what I perhaps should do, or that's what I want to do. And I think sharing our stories can be so important to let younger people know that there are many different ways that you can live your life. For example, I was never able to drive a car. I tried and tried to learn that I was just absolutely atrocious. And when I mention to people that I can't drive, people always tell me, oh, how do you get around? They can't imagine living without a car. And I say, public transport and there's this bus and that train. And I know about those things. And I think that type of thing, it is so valuable to CHD to see that there are different goals that you can have and different ways of achieving goals as well. So I think that discussion around goals is really important. I agree. Thanks, Megan. Thanks, Michelle. I think you're able to explain all of those things so much better than I was. So thank you so much. It was so poetic. I loved it. I was taking notes. I love treating the hearts and the minds and the souls. I just love that. Okay, Lauren, you're the last one. So I have personal knowledge again of the fact that you're working on a book as well as Emily. This is so exciting. How did working on the heart of a heart warrior affect your decision to write your memoir, Lessons from a Broken Heart? When you asked me to be a part of your project, Heart of a Heart Warrior, it actually gave me the motivation and encouragement that I needed to start working on my book, Lessons from a Broken Heart, and to take my writing more seriously. And not only that, but getting my piece published in Heart of a Heart Warrior helped me to open up more about my condition. I actually wrote my poem, Clear, that is being featured in Heart of a Heart Warrior for an assignment in college. I had to read it to the class and open up about my condition in a way that I was not used to doing. Over the years, I have watched the Lord take that one step of boldness and use it in beautiful ways. Writing has always been a way I process my emotions, and I have been writing over the years about the lessons the Lord has taught me through my journey with HLHS. In the past, I've been pretty quiet about my heart condition. Therefore, I didn't know if I would ever actually publish my book. However, I have seen now, though it's hard to be vulnerable, what we have been through can impact and help others, and that is my desire. The Lord has comforted me in my times of suffering and taught me so much, and I just want to share that same comfort and hope with others. Part of a Heart Warrior was the beginning of me opening up about my story. I'm amazed that you read that essay in college in front of your class, Lauren. <laughs> Thank you. Did you cry? <laughs> I did. <laughs> okay, because I think I would have cried reading that essay in front of my peers. Yes. And then my dad actually went on to share that essay with a lot of his coworkers at work. Did he really? Yeah. It's a beautiful essay. And I was so Thank happy you. that Jenny Busta put us in touch with one another. And I'm so Me happy too. I've had a chance to meet you in person and to work with you outside of this book project as well. It's funny, this book has brought us together in ways I never could have anticipated. It truly has. And I've just been so blessed to get to know you more and more, Anna. You're such a gift to the heart community. Thank you for saying that. You are so sweet. I feel that all of you are such a gift to me. And I do feel like the heart mom of all of you, even though Laura 
would not really physically be possible for me to be your mom or you, Michelle. But that's okay. We could be heart sisters. And I do feel that close to all of you that you're all such amazing women. And I'm so proud of all of you and the men too. We do have some men who wrote for the book as well. Unfortunately, they weren't able to make it to this recording. But you all, by being vulnerable, have made your experiences something salient and something that other people are going to be able to draw upon. And they will find their source of strength through your story. So I commend all of you for everything that you have done, the writing, the rewriting, the sharing, and the digging deep, because Megan and I really pressed you guys to go a little bit deeper with many of your essays, and you all did it. So congratulations. You did a great job, Lauren. I can't wait to read your book. Thank you so much, Anna. Okay, Megan, we did it. We had a great podcast. We are ready to launch our baby. It's scary, but we're ready to launch it. And I just want to say thank you, Megan, for being my partner, for being the co-editor of this book, and also for being the co-host for this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. You're welcome, Anna. And thank you for taking me on this journey with you. I've learned so much along the way as well about the process of writing a book and putting one together with the editing and all the other little things that you don't even think about that you have to do. And I also wanted to thank all of the contributors as well. I think everyone did an absolutely fantastic job and gave it their all. And today on the podcast, we had many people who were returning guests, of course, but also many people who made their debut today. So I just wanted to thank you all for your time that you've devoted to this project and sharing all of these very personal experiences with us. Me too. I'm so excited that we all got together. Let's clap, everybody. Okay, that is the final Saturday success story for our mini-series episode for Heart Month. February 2023. If you'd like to pre-order a copy of our book, please visit the Baby Hearts Press website at www.babyheartspress.com. Come back next week when we'll have another new episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you have become inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart community. Heart to Heart with Anna with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard at any time, wherever you get your podcasts. A new episode is released every Tuesday from noon Eastern time.